it. So today, we are looking at the temptation of Jesus from Luke chapter 4. So you can turn there if you have an outline. You can also keep a finger in Deuteronomy 6. So it starts from chapter 1 in verse 4. Um, from chapter 4 in verse 1, I mean, sorry. So if we just wanted to this morning consider uh, temptation in general, I could have preached from perhaps Ephesians 6 or something out of Corinthians. But as we're going through the Gospels, to learn about his... Ooh, Sorry, there's a bit of echo there. Is this too high? To learn about his journey and his teachings, Christ's, and through his stories, or these stories that we read about him and his disciples, we might come to apply some of those truths into our own lives as well. So temptation is something that we can all relate to. So let's consider this morning... how Jesus faced temptation from the devil as our savior and then how we can come to fight our own battles with temptation as well. We are going to look at a brief history of Satan and temptation. We're going to give you a bit of context and background and then we're going to consider three things that the devil tried to tempt Jesus with. And then we're going to consider some things about how we can overcome our own temptations. So it's a long section. We'll read the first bit of it and pray and then get into it. <clears throat> In verse 1 it says, Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted by the devil for 40 days. During those days he ate nothing, and when they were ended, he was hungry. Lord, we come to you this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for what we can learn now from this story. And, um, and Lord, help us to overcome our own temptations that we may apply some of the truths here through example into our lives as well and glorify you for who you are as we learn more about Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So, <clears throat> the history of Satan and temptation really begins... In Genesis, as all things begin, that's why it's called Genesis. If we think about how the snake tempted Eve and, and, uh, and Adam, and what we read much later 
in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. I'm going to read that verse for you now, and then we're going to look back at Genesis 3. And we're going to see that the devil almost has a playbook. He, it's not something new every time. He seems to tackle our core weaknesses just in different ways every time. Okay, so listen to this. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, it says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. Let's go back to Genesis 3 now. The lust of the flesh, our body, our, our bodily needs, our physical cravings, the things that are in the body. The lust of the eyes, temptation of the mind, what we see ambition and, and, um, and greed and all those things, and the pride of life. I don't need God. I can do this by myself would be an example of how that, that pride manifests. Look at Genesis 3, verse 6. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, this can satisfy my hunger. It looks tasty. That it was pleasing to the eyes. And that the tree was desirable to make one wise. Prideful. I want to be wise like God. She took of it and ate and gave to her husband and he ate. The history of Satan and temptation spans the history of humankind, but it's the same thing over and over and over. And that's good for us because we can equip ourselves then. We can see it coming. He used this similar tactic in tempting Jesus. So how did Satan try to tempt Jesus? We're going to look at three ways. Satan appealed to basic human need. Satan appealed to the human desire for fulfillment. Okay? Christ was one person. He had two natures. He had a human nature and a godly nature. Not two different persons in one body, but two natures. And he appealed to our human relation to God. Okay? So imagine in the wilderness, the desert of Palestine. It's rocky. It's not sandy like the Sahara. It's, it's rocky and it's gray and it's uh, dusty. Nothing grows there. If you can imagine the heart of the you know, it's, it's, it's rocky. There's maybe a tree every 150 kilometers. Um, 
I imagine as Jesus went out into the wilderness, he must have taken some sort of uh, shelter with him, some, some sort of tent that he can stay in at night and protect himself from the scorching heat of, of the Palestinian desert where there's, there's nowhere to take shade, there's no tree to sit under. Per, perhaps during these 40 days, um, he found a water source in the deserts. This is how the um, uh, David survived fleeing from Saul. They would find uh, underground springs or natural water sources in, in caves and... Um, and drink from there because it doesn't rain. There's no rivers. There's no places where water collects. The only place you can find fresh water is underground springs. Maybe he set up a little, a little shelter near a water source. It says he ate nothing in Luke. In uh, Matthew, it says he fasted for 40 days. So as little food as, uh, as possible to survive, perhaps, um, it was difficult. Imagine living in isolation for 40 days in the luxury of your own homes with all the amenities and everything you have now, but you're all alone. You're completely isolated from everyone else and everyone you know, no phone calls, no internet, no nothing for 40 days. So physically and emotionally, it was a gauntlet that I have never experienced. I doubt any of us have experienced. And it says that Satan tempted Jesus throughout the 40 days. We, we have three examples here, but I'm sure that um, these were not the only um, encounters. So a bombardment. And then Satan comes <clears throat> with his playbook and he starts with play number one. Satan appealed the basic human needs. So in verse three, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command the stone to become bread. Says he was hungry. I'm sure he could have, of course. But he was fasting. And to, to take power into your own hands, to say, no, I am not going to rely on the provision of God. I'm going to um, seek for myself uh, food <laughs> would be would be wrong. You see, it's not a coincidence that when Jesus replies to Satan, he quotes scripture, and not any scripture, he quotes from Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is one of the books Moses wrote while the nation of Israel was wandering the desert. 
and it tells much of their history through the desert wanderings from Deuteronomy. So it's no coincidence that Jesus also finds himself in, a, in the desert. Almost like, like a pilgrimage, in a sense. 40 years for the nation, 40 days for Jesus. Walking in the footsteps of, of the nation that he was born into. To be human, to be tempted, to be a Jew, to be... Um, part of this nation. And so he quotes from Deuteronomy. And he replies to Satan with Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. And it says this. Let me just get it here. Let's read it in Luke, and then I'm going to read the full verse in Deuteronomy. Let's do that. Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. The verse in Deuteronomy itself says this, He humbled you and let you suffer hunger. He humbled you and let you suffer hunger and fed you with manna from heaven, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. That even in such basic things as our physical needs, that we rely on the Lord's provision. And he did this specifically to the nation so that he could feed them manna. He could make bread appear from heaven to teach them, to teach them that we are not in a rat race to only satisfy our physical needs. We are here on earth to glorify God. And trust him for our provision. And this is something that Satan has been using to tempt us over and over and over. Imagine <clears throat> what you would do for food. And we could say the means justifies the end. But people have been led to kill, to hurt, to uh, rob and destroy and, um, and do all manners of evil with the reason of I'm putting food on the table. You're tempted with such such basic things. So uh, in this way, Jesus was also tempted and he used scripture so, um, so directed, not just a random verse from the Old Testament that might be somehow connected to his current situation, but that verse comes with all the context and the richness 
of the passage in Deuteronomy that the Lord is trying to teach the nation. Secondly, he then tried to appeal to human um, desire and fulfillment. Okay, let's read it. The devil taking him up on a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you all this power and their glory, for it has been delivered unto me. And I give it to whomever I will. If you then will worship me, all will be yours. Get behind me, Satan, Jesus says, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. So we can't be tempted with something that we don't want, okay? Um, Colleen and I were talking about it, uh, discussing it over the weekend, and um, she said it so clearly. <coughs> the kingdoms of the world belongs ultimately to Jesus anyway. One day he will come and conquer them. It, it will be brought into subject, subjection. Uh, he is the king of kings. For Jesus, I can imagine, if only for a moment, that of course he would want that. He would want to see that fulfilled. But, and here's the big but, in God's time, not when we as humans think about ambition and our dreams and our goals and the things we want to achieve and you think, when is it going to happen? Why isn't it happening to me? Why am I here and not there? And we, and we doubt God's timing. Because Satan has appealed to our human desire for fulfillment. But Christ knows better. And even though I'm sure this is something that he would want to see fulfilled, he quotes again from Deuteronomy 6 verse 13. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him. And swear by his name. The nation had a terrible affinity for idolatry. And it was a stumbling point for them throughout their history. To turn away from God when they got impatient and restless. Um, at Mount Sinai. They were waiting for Moses to come back down and they didn't know what had happened to him and they haven't heard from him. And they built an idol. Let's take matters into our own hands instead of trusting in God's timing and 
knowing that our ambition and our um, desire for fulfillment can lead to so many sins if we take it into our own hands. And then thirdly, Satan appeals appealed or appeals to human our human relation towards God. So in the garden he said he called God's words into question. Did God not say he imposes um, or suggests the pride of life, the, the, the wisdom um, of, of, of human self-sufficiency <coughs> apart from God, and he casts doubt on God through his word. Here, once again, he twists scripture. He actually quotes from Psalm 91. Let's read further. Okay, he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here for it is written. Okay, Satan, you're going to quote scripture. Yeah, he actually does that a lot. He twists God's words. He shall give his angels charge concerning you to preserve you and in their hands they shall hold up Hold you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. So he appeals to our trust and, and, and faith that we place in God to know that God is sovereign in all things and if we are to die, it is in his will that 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 had to happen. If we are to wake up and live another day and get to the end of the day and go to sleep, that is from him. And to say, why did you allow me to be there and allow this to happen and allow this person to to die it's not for us to say and certainly we should not test god in this fact so he so jesus responds and he quotes again from deuteronomy chapter 6 it is said you shall not tempt the lord your god In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16, there's even more history baked in there. It says, you shall fear the Lord your God and serve him. Um, no, 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 sorry, that's verse 13. Let me just get it. Verse, uh, verse 16. You shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him at Massa. So what happened? 
they grumbled because once again they were hungry and they were tired and they were complaining and they said they tested God it said um, not tempt you shall not test the Lord your God <clears throat> Lord if you really do care about us if you really do love us you'll make water appear from this rock well he did do that but that's the context that comes with what Jesus is bringing here. That we are tempted when Satan casts doubt on God's goodness, his love for us, his mercy for us, and whatever we might find ourselves in, that we continue to honor and glorify him because we know that he is he's greater for us and, and he, he doesn't, Wish he doesn't bring ill on us for no reason um, or allow things rather to happen. But that we replace our trust in him completely. The pinnacle of the temple, it was um, a retaining wall on the south side of the, of the temple complex. And there was a huge chasm leading down from the very top of the wall right down to the valley below. Um, and it was a, a, a very high drop um, to jump off and kill yourself. <laughs> um, that's the place where Satan took Jesus. Jump into this almost, you can't even see the bottom. Go for it. <clears throat> so those are the three things that we see Satan use um, in human weakness, he appeals to those, those things to lead us to, to, to create temptation in our lives, as he did with Jesus, and we can relate to that, I'm sure. But Jesus is sinless, he overcame that temptation, and he's the only sinless human to ever walk this earth, and therefore able to suffer and die on the cross for us as we remembered in communion because only he is worthy to do that because of his sinlessness our sin was placed on him what can we do then to overcome our temptations well keeping these things in mind keeping in mind the places that we are weak at, we can do three other things. We can know the truth, rely on the truth. We need to know the truth because Satan is a liar, of course. We need to take responsibility and we need to be ready to fight. We're going to go beyond Luke now and look at some other verses to elaborate on these things. First, we need to know the truth. So in Ephesians 6, it talks about the armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. <clears throat> One of those things is you, you wrap truth around you. And it says that the word of God is the weapon which we use to fight this battle. The word of God is the sword. 
we need to turn to the word of God to know truth. It is so dangerous to, um, to trust in another person over what is written in this book to trust in what somebody else says is written in this book without going to see for yourself, because Satan does that all the time. We need to know this book. Don't ever take it for granted. Don't ever um, metaphorically speaking always have it at arm's reach. Study your Bible. Meditate on scripture. Know the truth. Secondly, we need to take responsibility. Sometimes <clears throat> it's not the devil. <laughs> Temptation isn't always from the devil. We can't say the devil made me do it. It doesn't work like that. When we sin, it is always The blame is on us. In Jeremiah 17 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? In our own fallen, uh, in this fallen world, in the sinful bodies that we still inhabit, temptation is it, it's always there okay the the inclination to sin the the drawing of the flesh to do wrong and we need to be aware of that <clears throat> scripture talks about self-discipline it talks about purity in our body do you not know that the temple um, that your body is the temple of, of the Holy Spirit. It's talking about um, keeping yourself from sin. And I know that in this lifetime it's impossible to completely be sinless. We know that. <clears throat> but the more we strive in the power of the Spirit to reflect Christ's as Doug was teaching this morning, <clears throat> the less um, those bodily urges and those inclinations can sway us to sin. And we become more Christ-like. The process is called sanctification. And if we do sin, to take responsibility, to repent and to um, Lord, forgive me. And lastly, to be ready to fight. So in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. To be sober, to be aware of your surroundings, to be vigilant, in other words, 
to be ready for an attack. We're not going about our lives ignoring it or pretending it doesn't exist or um, downplaying the danger temptation can bring on our Christian walk in our lives um, and that Satan is real and we need to um, we need to arm ourselves and be vigilant okay know that there is a fight at hand and be aware and awake so there is so much we can say about the topic about um, Jesus here in the wilderness and about our own battles with temptation the important thing is that we equip ourselves in the famous book the screw tape letters I don't know how many of you know about it or read it it's a very insightful book you know it's, it's almost humorous um, the concept is that there's this uh, demon and he's writing some correspondence letters to his uh, apprentice trainee demon on how to lead people astray and tempt them and um, it's filled with some very insightful ideas if you view it from that point it says this uh, this is one of the quotes from the book okay because screw tape is the the teacher and then his apprentice is called wormwood <laughs> do not be deceived wormwood our cause so in other words satan's cause is never more in danger than when a human no longer desiring but still intending to do our enemy's will so enemies is capitalized so in other words god's will i'll read that again our cause is never more in danger so satan's cause is never more in danger than when a human no longer desiring but still intending to do god's will looks around upon a universe from which every trace of god seems to have vanished even though he may ask himself why have you forsaken me he still obeys christ was lonely i'm sure those 40 days he screamed out why have you forsaken me on the cross but was obedient to death and we may ask that question as well i don't see god in my life i don't see him anywhere in the world has he abandoned us and you may feel that inclination but still intending to do his will I truly believe Satan will be left powerless and these words from this book really do ring, ring true let us pray dear Lord 
We thank you that we can come together today, worship you, pray together, and learn through example and through your teaching that we can overcome step by step, day by day, temptation, and we can grow, Lord, to reflect you more, to, to be sanctified by your word and by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <coughs> These, uh, oh, um, I'm sorry, one more thing. Um, at the AGM next week Friday, or this coming Friday, we're going to vote on a new Saturday. Saturday, did I say Friday? I apologize. So the notice here in your bulletin, we posted it last week as well uh, on WhatsApp um, that we're voting uh, Louis uh, Stain and uh, Lilibet Stain as a deacon family, and the leadership would um, welcome them if through the consensus of the church we can vote uh, on that matter next week Saturday. So please do attend if you're a member here. It's vitally important that you give your voice to this vote and to be here for the feedback.